Hello and welcome to the Insert Adventist podcast, an extension of the Insert Adventist blog where life and religion are not black and white. I'm CH, I'm your host. If you're new here, welcome, we're glad to have you. If you've been here before, welcome back. In any event, let's get into this episode. So I'll tell you, first of all, I wrote this episode out. Um, Usually I don't, usually I just write notes and, you know, we'll just talk, but I really felt like I needed to write down my thoughts on this one so that way they came out in some kind of coherent manner. So we are on episode five and today we are talking about mental health. So there will be mention of anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts. You know, if this is a trigger for you, come back next week where we'll talk about virginity and relationships. Um, If not, stick around and let's talk about it. So I'm not a mental health professional in any way. So the thoughts here, the opinions here are just based on my experience um, with anxiety and, you know, the experiences of people who have who have spoken to me about it. You know, so back in episode three, I talked about how 2020 has me feeling. One of the things I've been feeling a lot, like I said, is anxiety. There's a blog post also from a few weeks back about the level of anxiety that has built up for me over the last few years. And just writing that post made me cry because it made me realize how much I miss my godson. You know, I previously was picking him up once a month. We'd spend the day together. We'd hang out. You know, he's six. So we'd go to the playground. I'd watch him play with the kids and things like that. But the way my anxiety is set up right now and, you know, he is not in a home situation where they are staying away from people. So my anxiety will not allow me to go and pick him up. And so I really miss that kid. He's such a sweet boy and I miss him so much, you know, but this anxiety has kind of just move beyond a place where I am okay with doing certain things. And I don't really know when my anxiety started or when I started to feel anxious. It was probably in elementary school, I would say. I was very insecure as a child because I was always overweight and people had no issues reminding me of it. And what started as just insecurity became social anxiety as I got older Um, And then a few years ago, and now I've always been afraid of bugs and insects because people want to differentiate between the two, but I've always been afraid of bugs and insects to the point where there have been times where I have almost opened the door of a moving car because there was a spider next to me. And so a few years ago, that phobia escalated to a point where I wasn't sleeping Um, For two months, I'd only get like two to three hours of sleep each night. And it really affected me, even though I didn't realize how much it affected me until after I was out of that situation. So now with COVID, it has worsened my anxiety to a level that I've never experienced before. Um, And I can only seem to manage it by staying in the house. I know I'm not alone in feeling a lot of these things, but sometimes I definitely feel like I am. So I'm in a group chat with some of my cousins um on my mom's side we're all kind of stair-stepped back to back a year apart and so the ones 20 and over in that group um we have a group chat and then one day my brother brought up how he's dealt with feelings of depression for a long time and then everybody kind of opened up about their own feelings 
of depression. And so out of the eight of us, five of us have dealt with and are currently dealing with varying levels of depression. And a few of us have also considered suicide at some point. And it's rough when you come to a place where you feel like you don't want to live anymore and that nobody would really miss you if you were gone. And at one point, the only thing stopping me was my lack of tolerance for physical pain. And then every other time after that, it was just the thought of my mother blaming herself and thinking about what she missed or what she did wrong or what she didn't do or what she should have seen. And I didn't want her to experience that level of pain. You know, but it's devastating when you learn that people you love and adore have felt the same way. You know, reading those texts from my brother and from my cousins kind of broke my heart, especially since I'm the second oldest of our group. And I felt like I had let them down. As much as I needed someone to remind me that my life was worth living, so did they. And I wasn't there for them. And I know that it's difficult to see other people's pain when you're drowning in your own But as one of the oldest, I kind of felt like I should be better as a support system for my younger cousins, and particularly for my brothers. I'm learning to understand my own fight with depressive and anxious thoughts and feelings, and I'm usually able to name them now, and for me, that's the first step in dealing with them. For a long time, I wasn't able to put words to how I was feeling, and as a child who was sad a lot, I learned to depend on my relationship with God to get me through the toughest emotional moments until I could get to a happier feeling. And I know a lot of people think that Christians use God as a crutch, but sometimes we do. Sometimes that is the only thing keeping us standing. And in many times of my life, my relationship with God was the only thing that kept me standing. And so as an adult, I still lean on my relationship with God to get me through those tough emotional moments but I also have more tangible ways of dealing with those feelings I've kept journals for years and I'm a huge advocate for journaling and writing out your thoughts and writing out your feelings and putting things on paper so that way you can better understand how you're feeling and what you're feeling and then you can find ways to deal with that so you know writing out what I think and how I feel It helps me a lot in addressing those feelings. But the biggest thing for me is having a project to do. I am a project queen. Redecorating, painting, the blogs that I run, now the podcast. Um, For the past two years, the plants that I've been taking care of, they've all helped me to manage better when I feel like I'm sinking into a depressive state. And one thing this COVID-related anxiety that I'm experiencing has taught me is that I need a partner who is willing and able to understand that I have feelings I can't control, that sometimes those feelings keep me from doing things and going places that other people are fine with. And even if they don't understand what I'm feeling on a personal level, like they haven't experienced it, they are sympathetic to what I am feeling and they understand that I do feel those things and that's a challenge for me. I rarely experienced panic attacks before. It was mostly just anxiousness and uneasiness that I had to deal with but I've been experiencing panic attacks in relation to going anywhere that I have to stay for an extended period of time. So I've canceled doctor's appointments. I stressed about taking my car in for an oil change for two weeks before 
actually doing it. And then when I went, I just dropped off the car. And when I went to pick it up, I had my spray and my wipes. And because the thought of somebody else being in my car just completely freaked me out, you know. And so I'm single right now, but whoever wants to be in my life is going to have to know that it'll be difficult for me to spend time with him in a physical sense. And that I will rely heavily on video chat right now. You know, I'll judge him for not washing his hands long enough and for not wearing a mask or for wearing it around his chin. I will be very uncomfortable with him being around a lot of people, especially in a social setting. I will insist on disinfecting everything that comes from outside, including groceries, takeout containers, and clothes. And I will be physically distant if we meet in person. He's got to know that this is going to be difficult for me, and it's also going to be a little difficult for him. I'm the kind of person who needs closeness and affection in my romantic relationships, and being afraid of closeness right now is really messing with my head. It's really messing with me. You know, there's this extra fear now when meeting someone new or or even reconnecting with somebody from my past that I never had to think about before. As if there were enough concerns already when it comes to dating. But we'll talk about dating as well in a couple of weeks. I know now that my partner will need to be understanding and caring and gentle with me in a way that I never knew I'd have to take into consideration when discussing the possibility of a relationship. I can't be with someone who doesn't believe in depression or who thinks anxiety will go away with a little bit of prayer. We hear, pe- we hear from people especially within the context of Christianity, that our faith should be bigger than our fear or that faith drives out fear or that where there is faith, there is no fear. And on one hand, I'd really like to believe that I just need to pray a little more and I won't have these thoughts or feelings anymore. But on the other hand, I know that anxiety and depression are not logical. I can be thinking logical, rational thoughts while having a panic attack. I can know in my head that I'm okay and still have tears streaming down my face, my heart racing, and unable to move from where I'm standing. I can think of the fact that I have people in my life who love me, a safe place to live, and abundance in various areas of my life and still not want to get out of bed. I can spend quality time with God every morning, building my relationship with Him, and still be afraid to leave the house. Telling people their faith isn't big enough when they're dealing with anxiety and or depression is harmful. It's like telling them that they are choosing to allow what's happening in their mind and or in their body. But let me tell you, if I could disappear my anxiety and just live with like a standard level of cautiousness to protect myself and other people like other people in my life do, I'd do it in a second. I wish that I could just carry hand sanitizer and wear a mask and then go wherever I want and see whoever I want and spend time with the people I love but it isn't that simple and I'm coming from a place of privilege where I have a safe place to live and I am able to work from home at the moment I'm able to mostly avoid the things that make me anxious like leaving the house (laughs) there are so many people I know out there who don't have that kind of support that I have Because even though my family doesn't understand exactly what I feel or experience dealing with anxiety, they at least acknowledge that I have those feelings and those experiences, and they mostly try not to make it worse. And I really appreciate that in them. I really appreciate them for that. I really appreciate them on so many levels because they have been so gracious in me dealing with this. 
And for those of you listening who experience depression and or anxiety, I'm praying for you sincerely. Whether you're in a place of privilege or not, you're in my prayers. I pray that you have access to the practical and spiritual assistance that you need, medical um, assistance if needed. You know, I pray that you have support or that you can find support if you don't have it already. I pray that you find the good in every day, even the tiniest bit of good. I pray that you don't let go, that you keep pushing, that you continue to move even when you don't feel like you're moving forward. I pray that God reminds you today, tomorrow, and every day after that, that you are special and that he loves you. And for those of you listening who don't deal with anxiety or depression, God bless you. (laughs) Be a support to somebody in your life who does. Be understanding when your loved one can't make it to that event or that dinner that you planned or that thing that's important to you. Show them grace. Be gentle with them. Some of us are very fragile right now and we're doing our best not to fall apart. And so we need a little bit of extra grace, a little bit of extra patience, a little bit of extra understanding. And sometimes we just need some extra love and attention and take our mind off of whatever is going on in our heads. If this episode was helpful to you in any way, I want to hear about it because I'm not sure if this is helpful. I don't know unless you tell me. Um, Feel free to leave me a message on Anchor if you can figure out how that works or you can send me a message through the website on insertatvenice.com. That's it for this episode. It was a little short. Um, like I said, I had to write this one out. And even in the process of doing it, it was there was just so many feelings and so many tears. And I told myself that I was not going to cry while recording this episode. And so I had to write out the entire episode, which I usually don't do. But I'm going to go take a few deep breaths and do some housework and eat some lunch and just generally get my mind off of everything that's stressing me out right now. Um, Come back next Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. or anytime after that, really, for a discussion of virginity and relationships, which should be interesting. Thank you for listening and be well.